0: Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Lavecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. I want to just share one thing briefly with you about Christianity. Did you know Christianity is not about me or you? (laughs) I know that's very disheartening, but it is not about you and it's not about me. And the faster we take our eyes off of us, the better we wind up being and and let me say something it, it can be do you know people are watching us you know people are watching you I'm gonna share a story with you I didn't want to share this story but I should just share it because it's true so I'm in Dubai in the swimming pool and I've, I really honestly want to be left alone personally uh, you know bread hostages people some of you guys do that I used to do that. I like Now I like to be left alone. That's why I love Sarah. She can sit there for me six hours. She says four words. It's like perfect combination. And so she's just there. And this couple, this couple is watching me. They're watching me. And I'm watching them watch me. And I'm not too watchable. I don't know what they're watching. So, so anyway, I'm just sitting there, you know, and uh, just looking at me and stuff. And I'm just like, just... I'm like staring at a blue watch for like three hours, <laughs> it's, like, it's not changing what it looks like. I'm just like here, getting a suntan. And so this couple comes up to me, these Germans, whites, and they begin to engage with me, which is a problem. So, so now they start talking to me and this is, this is kind of like how it kicks off. So they go like this to me, so why don't, why aren't you drinking? So now I'm sitting here having a nice coffee, just trying to buy my own business. When these folks come up to me and they start asking me questions and then the wife or the girlfriend is going to me, she's going, you know, when I look at you, it's like, I feel feel like you, you you're like a bad person. So I didn't want to like, like even talk to you. Like, and then the, the, the guy is like, oh, you know, you look, you look like a lumberjack or whatever. I'm like. So I, I'm just like, dude, like, I don't know, like, I don't got my flannel shirt on, bro. Like I, so anyway, I, I'm just like, all right, cool. But, but this is what I want you to really get, because this is not about me, and it's not about them. But it's about people uh, watching you. He started this whole conversation because I was being different than everyone in the environment that I was in. I wasn't saying anything, talking to anybody. I didn't have a Jesus Christian T-shirt on. Like, I was being, I, I want to be left alone, quite honestly. And so they come up to me. So then we get into this conversation. In just a few minutes, this white guy is saying, you know, I have a lot of money. Uh, I wanted to jump off a cliff. I go, we go from, we go from the pool to pastoral care. I mean, what this guy's telling me he wants to jump off a cliff. I'm trying to have a nice coffee, bro. I'm like, "Whoa." And and but here here is this is the point of the situation. I began to speak some words into his life and the Lord gave me stuff for him which was, you know, which is hitting him and it was beautiful. It's great. But the world is hurting. This guy has money, but he has no meaning. In his life, no meaning. His girl is a team leader of 16 people. And she says, "We, I have to be more brutal than the men. Also, money, no meaning. No peace. So we got into the conversation about Jesus, of course. Right? Are you with me? Now, what are the chances... In the Middle East, in a pool with basically drunk people, that Jesus becomes the center of the conversation. Do you think that when they left Berlin or when they left Germany and they came over there, do you think that they had any idea that they're going to be getting Jesus in a swimming pool in an all inclusive resort? I don't think so. From a lumberjack. From a lumberjack. (laughs) (laughs) Which is. I don't know what was more insulting you look evil or you look like a lumberjack (laughs) it's really a good thing that i don't do feelings because i would have been all like but i don't really care you know because i look like me and so so anyway it was a very interesting situation but it all started by them looking at something that i wasn't doing and it triggered a question within them this is what i want to talk to you today about you, you may have heard me say something like, you are the only Bible that some people may read. Have you ever heard me say something like that? All right, well, there's a Bible verse for that. I don't just make stuff up. So anyway, but I want to talk about transformation because this is part of the process, right? You, you have, we have got to allow the Lord to bring us into a process We have to stop fighting against the process. When you you receive a difficult situation, or when you hear something difficult, maybe it's correction, or maybe it's someone who's saying, hey, when, when you don't respond to that correctly, here's what you're doing. You're giving Jesus the stiff arm. And what you're doing is you're going you you can hurt your elbow first of all but but you're delaying the process of healing and transformation in your own life which only hurts you and the people who you matter most to right so let's say I'm really not doing good guess who pays my wife guess who pays my children You know, someone has to live with that person who's really not doing good or not responding well. Okay, so now we're going to find this word, metamorpho, which it's where we get the word metamorphosis. And it's not in the New Testament a lot, but it's in there three very specific times, which I want to build this out into you because this is important. Now, In Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone or shined like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared. Now, I don't want to preach this whole story to you because then it would be a hostage situation, which I'm not trying to do to you today. I, want, I just want to show you this word. Now, in English, you do not see the word transformed. You see the word transfigured. But in Greek, it's the same word as metamorpho. It's, it's, it's where we get the word metamorphosis. So, the the place of transformation and the place of change, prayer is the place of transformation And it's the place of change prayer intimacy with God being alone with God and sometimes being alone with select hand-picked people Jesus had 12 guys who followed him are you with me Jesus did not bring 12 guys up on that mountain now, I know in, in, in a world that's so inclusive and so we're all equal and everybody's this and that, it would be like if I said, you, 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 let's go. And we jump in a private plane and go somewhere special and not everyone's coming. And then everyone else is like, well, what about me, Pastor? I tithe. What about me, Pastor? I come to church. But, but Jesus doesn't do that. He just, he selects three guys so that they can experience something. Now, he did this when he raised... Uh, uh, the little girl from the dead, there was times where Jesus only brought three. So you have three, 12, but not everyone has access to everything. There's different levels of access because of different levels of responsibility. So he brings them up, and in the context of prayer, you can see that in Luke, he begins to pray, and and there is a transformation that takes place. So the disciples are visually seeing what God is wanting to do with the minds of his people. Just just, just stick with me. Don't worry. We're gonna go somewhere. Romans 12. Yes. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, wait a second, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Step number one in worship is not just a transforming of your mind, but it's actually getting control of your body. You are in control of your body. I know that Dr. Fauci wants to be in control of your body. I know that there's a whole movement that wants to mutilate you and let you mutilate your children. They want to be in control of your body. But it is actually your body. And it actually is your choice. And you choose to be temperate. You're choosing worship. This is your reasonable sacrifice. So you have got to bring the body into Subjection okay, and if you're gonna let me just tell you another thing if you're gonna do anything significant with your body, let's say you're gonna be a fighter or a runner or a lifter or something, you're gonna do something, you are gonna have to tell your body how it's gonna behave, or it will tell you, We're not doing this today, we don't feel like it today, we didn't sign up for all that today. Your body will speak to you if your soul doesn't speak to your body. So like, for example, let's say you want to fast. You better tell yourself, listen, flesh, you are not the ruler of my life today, and we are not eating today, so don't ask me. If you have children, you have to tell them, we're not having dessert every single day, every single night, all the time. You are not getting ice cream. I don't care if you cry, scream, shout, and yell. The answer is no. So no is something that if you want to be a worshiper of God and you want your worship to be real and authentic, you have to learn how to say no. I don't don't like to hear no. I don't think you like to hear no. But we got to say no. Now, two, and do not be conformed to this world, this aeon, this age, but be transformed... By the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can become more religious and judgmental. <laughs> no. So that you may be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God doesn't have three wills. He, it's not good, perfect, or acceptable. Are, these are descriptions of His will. Good, perfect, Acceptable. You can accept it. It is good for you. It is perfect because He's perfect. It is good. It's something that you can God, when God tells you to do something, it's to add to your life, not to take from you. The commandments of the Lord are not burdensome, but they are actually the way God adds to your life. For example, this is just a practical... Let's just be honest about... Can we just be honest for a second? I never had an interest in Dubai... I never really wanted to go to Dubai. I never even really thought about Dubai until I said yes to the Lord and went to Africa. I didn't know Steph. I didn't know her dad. I didn't know AG. I didn't know he would pick me up with flowers. I didn't know he would drive me around. I didn't know they would pay for things and be nice to me and show me favor and generosity. I wasn't looking for someone to help me. Are you, are you with me? I was just saying yes to Africa. So that brought the blessing of different people and different situations and different options and places and things into my life. I never know that saying yes to Africa meant Atlantis. You understand what I'm saying? So when you say yes, just say yes. Just say yes. Yes is better than no, I promise you, when it comes to the Lord. So, be, so you have two options. Conform to the world, which is like tolerance, acceptance, everything is okay, whatever makes you feel good, you know, do you, you know, that, that whole spirit. Oh, if Jesus works for you, that's cool. Be conformed to the world, the aeon or this age, or the time period in which you live in. For example, Christians who are conformed to the world and to the system of the world were participatory in slavery. You know what's what's worse for the world? Do You know, President Biden is not what's worse for the world. You know what's worse for the world? Lukewarm Christians. You know the greatest threat to the church is not you know, Muslims that want to blow themselves up. It's not trans people that want to trap their wee-wee off. The greatest threat to the church is the lukewarm church that doesn't have a burning yes for Jesus. That is the greatest threat to our witness and testimony, not the outside world. The threat, the deepest threat, is always within. When you look in the mirror, you know who you're looking at? Your very worst enemy. <laughs> Either your greatest ally or your worst enemy. you know? So anyway, that's no pressure. Um, so anyway, so do not be conformed to the world. So here's the thing. If I go with the flow, I will be conformed with the world. So it takes me to stand against the flow and say no to the flow, and to be willing to go against the current. Have you ever tried to walk against the current? Just go in a lazy river, and try to walk against a lazy river, and you will find out that it takes energy to walk just against a small, little, lazy river. You can't be lazy walking against a lazy river, because it will require you to be like... Because the current is going in a specific direction and unless you plant your feet and unless you're intentional, you will go in that direction. It's called the drift. Many Christians live in the drift. The the more you get sloppy in your habits, the more normal it becomes to be sloppy in your habits. Don't go to church for three weeks. Watch how easy it is the fourth week to say, I'll tune in online. Stop giving. Watch how easy it is one month in. In fact, you won't even start giving until your finances are hit and then you realize it's your disobedience that brought that. Don't, 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 don't have love and affection for your spouse. Don't, don't set aside time for your spouse. Don't listen to your spouse when they talk. Watch how the drift comes. When there's distance, there's danger. You know where Peter was sifted? In the courtyard. In the courtyard. That's where Peter was sifted like we, When there's distance, there's danger. You have to stay close to the Lord and the people that matter in your life. You have to be intentional about pursuing who and what matters in your life. Or you will fall victim to the drift have you ever noticed it's easy to press next episode it's difficult to turn the page on your Bible is that just me or you didn't experience that (laughs) be not conformed to the world I have to really do this but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so the word transform is the metamorphosis who who goes through a metamorphosis can you you tell me anyone butterfly thank you so what does God do he takes a, a nasty fat hairy earth creature right and through a season of separation and isolation It becomes what? A butterfly. Do you know that it would have to die before it could become what it once was? It cannot go back to what it once was. God wants to transform your life so deeply that it would be impossible to go back. Impossible. You'll die before you go back. And some of us, if we go back, you'll die. This is really something God wants to transform us so deeply that, that we, we don't go back to what we once were. Do you know one of the only things the caterpillar brings into its butterflyness is the lessons it learned as a caterpillar? Do some research. Now, 2 Corinthians 3, don't forget the lessons you learned. Don't forget getting stepped on and squished. Don't don't forget the lessons that pressure were meant to teach you. Now, we're going to get into the actual text today. 2 Corinthians 3. Do we begin? This is Paul. He's writing to the Corinthians. The Corinthians are like the Americans. They are wealthy. They are gifted. But they are carnal. (laughs) They are selfish. They are perverse. In the church... There's a guy who's sleeping with his father's wife. He's sleeping with his stepmom. I mean, that's really Jerry Springer-ish. And so this is happening in the Corinthian church. Just so you know that they are just because you're, you know, in church doesn't mean you're perfect. So he's writing to a carnal group of people that he actually loves. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some other epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you Now, let me explain what he's talking about in the ancient world itinerant pastors itinerant preachers would travel with a letter of recommendation so that other churches would know That this is a legit believer. This is someone who teaches and preaches the word of God. Now, if you're old enough to know, and if you're old school enough to know, that did you know that back in the day people from churches would actually come with a letter from their old church? I'm old enough to remember this type of stuff. So that means that they had a letter with people vouching for your character. This is what when people bounce around churches here, there, everywhere. Let me ask you a question. Who knows you? The devil, the devil knows you. <laughs> but 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 in, in 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 sincerity, who knows you? Who can vouch for you? Who can say, no, no, no. She's a legit, believer, Christian. No, no, no. We know who she is. Do you know that before I did any feelings with my wife, before feelings were even button pressing? Do you know the first thing I did? This is how old school I am. I picked the phone up, and I called Helen the Hurricane, the prophetic painter, who was from Sarah's church, who was in my church, and I say, tell me about sarah tell me what she's like give me a character reference because before i even engage in talking to her i want to know what she's like so these guys they had letters of recommendation so paul is 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 kind of in a sense he's messing with them he goes do you guys need a letter of recommendation for me that's like me asking my kids Like, you know, watch. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Do you know people are knowing and reading you? Let me ask you a question. If your life, don't get mad at me, if your life was a book, would it be interesting? Is it a page turner? <laughs> or is it like, eh? Nah. I'm gonna be honest with you now, don't get mad at me. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm just saying this in general, out in the atmosphere. Most Christians that I know personally are not that interesting. Uh oh. And when I think of deep, and solid and steady and strong and firm I do not think of believers I'm sorry I'm very sorry I am so so sorry to say this I'm not trying to be a jerk it comes naturally <laughs> I'm just saying I had a, a clinical psychologist friend and he says, Adam, when, when the, he's with the Lord now, when the world thinks of deep, they do not think about us. That's a problem. That's a problem that only healing and repentance and transformation will fix. Because when, when people start reading the book, Is it interesting and do they want to hear from you those people engage with me in the pool because they couldn't get a read on the book because there was nothing I was saying or doing that they could take my temperature so they, they were like so sometimes what you choose not to do actually gives you an opportunity to speak Why aren't you drinking? Well, I'm not running from anything. (laughs) I'm actually, I've already escaped here. (laughs) I escaped from three children. What are you celebrating? (laughs) Three children with their grandmother, you know. Oh, and an anniversary, you know. (laughs) So anyway, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. Paul finally writes something nice about them. Clearly, he's given them the benefit of the doubt. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. Now, don't stumble over the word epistle. Epistle means letter. So think of yourself, think of yourself and think of us as a church. We are a letter from Jesus to the community. You are a letter from Jesus to your husband. Your husband is a letter from Jesus to you. No pressure (laughs) you know we are collectively a letter to the community you are a letter to your workplace you are a letter from Jesus of Jesus you know what of Jesus means from through Jesus right of my children come of me right they come through Sarah but right yes no okay (laughs) how that works so anyway uh, clearly you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us written not with ink but by the Spirit of the Living God so the Spirit is the one who wants to do the writing of Jesus's epistles so it's like the Holy Spirit as the administrator of the kingdom of God so it's like have you ever seen someone write a book it's someone's name who is not doing the writing with so and so who's doing the writing. <laughs> yeah, you know how that works. Because not everyone who has a name knows how to write or likes to write. That's a different process. I love writing. So, anyway, um, this is now, so it is the Spirit of the Living God who is the one who is looking to bring forth these letters of Jesus. Okay? And we have such trust through Christ toward God. This, this verse right here, mark this one, highlight this one, circle it. This is saying to us that it is Jesus who teaches me how to trust God. Jesus shows me that the Father is trustworthy. You will never serve someone that you don't fully trust. You will never serve God with passion and faithfulness if you don't trust Him. If you don't believe that God is a rewarder, you will not diligently seek Him. You you know, people always serve where they think their reward is coming from. People live to please man because they believe that their breakthrough is from man. You always live to please where you believe your breakthrough is coming from. Now, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything uh, as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So, we are not self-sufficient. We live in a world of people that they want to be self-sufficient. They want to be what is called independently wealthy. They want to basically have enough money to do whatever they want, right? Have you ever heard them say that? Here's the problem with that. That does not mean that you're living a life that is fulfilling or pleasing to God. And I can just tell you a whole group of people in the pool that that wasn't helping them. And they felt the need (laughs) to tell a stranger that it wasn't really working out too well for them. So that's just something to just take note of. Abner Suarez teaches that we should be dependently wealthy. Where we are fully dependent on God and wealthy. That's rich, rich. So anyway. Who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, uh, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if, if you read the letter, he's talking about specifically the Ten Commandments. What do the Ten Commandments show you? It shows you that the very person that God gave them to deserves to die (laughs) you know 26 books of the Bible were written by murderers so you may have made some mistakes God can still work with you in you through you you have a book that you read 26 books of those were written by cold-blooded murderers and Christians feel a little bit of shame because they got a little bit of a bad habit that they can't shake. When you get free, man, you'll feel joy, peace. You've you got to really let, let the forgiveness and the freedom of God really liberate you. Imagine God says 26 books out of here written by murderers. Do you, have you ever thought about that? No. You're not disqualified. But you need to repent. Are you with me? All right. Now, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was also glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious for if the ministry of condemnation <laughs> <It's like laughs> we started church. The church of condemnation you just come here we just condemn you it's like i left so refreshed today you know i got condemned for everything you know we can't wear makeup we can't wear dresses we can't you know women you know have to wear dresses they can't wear makeup they they can't wear gold you know they can't shave their face hair it's like dang girl that's wrong (laughs) so anyway okay for the ministry of condemnation had glory the ministry of righteousness exceeds much in glory much more in glory for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels for it was passing away was glorious what remains is much more glorious so what paul is doing is he is showing the greater uh, and and the superiority of the new covenant so it's not that the law was bad. The law is good. We are bad. <laughs> it's like a, so it's not. Imagine God gives a document, right? God says, okay, yeah, we're gonna make sure we we just we kill murderers. And the guy he hands it to is a murderer. It's like, it's like, God has a really sense of humor. So the mediator of the covenant is in violation of the covenant. So the guy who is the representative of the covenant is in violation of the covenant. But that's not the case with Jesus. See, the old covenant is a covenant between God and Israel. And so because Israel failed their part, where Adam failed in the garden, and Israel failed in the wilderness, and we failed in the, you know, the website, whatever it is, God did not fail in Jesus. Are you with me? So Jesus was able to keep up his end of the deal. So God does not have a covenant with Adam. Why? Because Adam will fail. Yeah? Yes? Sarah can tell you. Adam will fail. Guess who does not fail? Jesus. So the second covenant is a better covenant based on better promises with a better mediator because the mediator of the covenant is not infected with the disease that everyone else is infected with called sin. Are are you with me? So this is, this. watch, okay, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, I really want you to hear this verse. This is really... This hit me so hard yesterday. Since we have such hope, we use great boldness in speech. People, watch this, who have hope have great boldness. If you lose hope, you lose boldness. I have never in my life seen the connection with hope and boldness before. Shocked. I'm like, it's right there. Like, even I can understand it. It's like in English. Like, it's like, what does it say in Greek? Well, you know what it says in English? It says that having great boldness in your speech and having great boldness is a result of having hope. So if you have hope, you have boldness. Boldness is what brings influence. Bold people bring influence. People who do not stand up and people who do not speak up do not bring influence. Who's preaching on the day of Pentecost? Peter. The guy who stood up, the guy who couldn't shut up, the guy who stepped out of a boat, the guy who cut someone's ear off, the guy that tried to rebuke God himself, the guy that took his clothes off and swam to the shore naked. It's like, Peter, are you on your meds today? But guess what? Peter is the guy preaching at Pentecost. Because the people who stand up are the people who bring influence. The people who stand up are also the people who step out. So you have to ask yourself, in your living epistle, are you going to be someone who steps up? Are you going to be someone who steps out? And are you going to be someone who stands against the drift so that the spirit of the living God can make your life a letter of Jesus to the world? Because your life is either informing people to believe in Jesus because you are walking in the liberty that the freedom, in the, the freedom that the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit gives us, or you are living in bondage to the, to the system of the world and you are just like the world, which means you have nothing for the world. Why was I able to have something to say to those folks in the pool? Because I was non-participatory toward what was influencing them and they recognized it and they spoke about it. But if I'm in the same situation as them, they may go, oh, he's cool. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. You know what? Cool doesn't bring change to their life. Cool doesn't bring answers. And even cool doesn't pay bills. You ever get a, you ever you ever you ever get a bill and write oh I'm pretty cool and send it in let me know how that works. Like this, this is not cool, and then they shut the <laughs> shut the internet off. <laughs> then you would be streaming your TV from your phone. You'd be angry. All right. Anyway, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away so the glory that was upon Moses was passing away here we go but their minds were blinded for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ this is this is the thing that you cannot talk someone into believing Believing will bring them into understanding. Understanding will not bring them into believing. You can talk to you turn blue in the face. It's a waste of time. But even, so, so now Paul is saying that the veil, the way there was a veil over Moses' face, there was a veil over the people of Israel so that they cannot understand the Old Testament correctly because it testifies to who Jesus you can see that this is true because remember the Ethiopian eunuch remember he was reading Isaiah 53 but he couldn't see Jesus until someone preached Jesus to him and he was converted to Judaism he was an Ethiopian Jew so he was sincere because he wasn't like oh you know i'm Jewish because i was born Jewish i'll be Jewish or die Jewish he, he like converted because there was like something going on in this dude's heart when he read the scriptures, but he still didn't understand it. And it was when Philip was there that explained it to him, I'm talking about Acts chapter 8, that the revelation came that it was Jesus. So there's a veil over people, and until someone turns to Jesus, they cannot see the scripture. But when you turn to Jesus, you can see the scripture. The most important, one of the most important things that can happen for a believer is the scriptures can be open to them that's one of the most important things because it would be like you working and working and working and working and never getting a paycheck that's like Christians that go through the motions but the scripture is not open to them okay but even to this day when Moses is read a veil lies on Uh oh Their hearts. <laughs> so there's a veil on the, where? And where else? Oh, thank you. Good listening. The heart and the mind is veiled. Have you ever met, a, I've met Christians like this. That They are, die for you Christians. Like, they have a heart of gold. But they don't get it. Up here, they're like, hard-headed. They don't, anyway, I can tell you a story, but I'm not going to do that. But even to this day when Moses read, we've done past that. Okay, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So it's not the Lord takes away the veil and then I turn to the Lord. It's I turn to the Lord in faith and then I gain understanding and the veil is removed. We are believers, not understanders. You will believe yourself into understanding. You will never understand your way into believing. And I say that as a person who is more of a cerebral person than a feeler. <laughs> I'm half Greek, half Italian. Italians are feelings. Like Latins. Feelings. Feelings. Ah! feeling. Greeks are not feelings. Greeks are like they're like thinkers so so just so you know I'm not saying that as someone who doesn't think and I just sit here and feel all day long but thinking will not get you into the kingdom of God its faith that brings you in to be able to see okay we're almost done bear with me now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty We say stuff like this, God is in control. (laughs) You ever hear people say that? It just wigs me out. I'm like, God is in control. Yeah, cute. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. God does not want to control you because God is not insecure. The biggest control freaks are the most insecure people and the most fearful people. They are the people that want to control you. Free people love free people. That's why I love my wife. Honest to God, I love that about her, that she doesn't bother me. Because here's what happens. Have you ever met someone who's bothered inside? Like inwardly, they are disturbed. Have you ever been around someone like that? They're not bad people. It's not like, oh my God, you're bad. It's just that inside of them, there's brokenness. There's anxiety. There's fear. There's, there's undealt with stuff. They're not bad. Maybe it was something bad happened to them. Maybe something didn't happen for them. Maybe, you know, they're just human. They're not bad. I'm not talking about a pointing finger. I'm saying, but someone that is disturbed and the inside... And I'm not just talking about someone, you know, who runs around naked and mentally ill. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying someone that is just disturbed inside. It's very difficult to dwell in peace with someone who's disturbed on the inside. So that's where where we need to allow God really to come in and bring healing to our life so that 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 we're not living in a state of being disturbed inwardly now here's the thing about when you're disturbed i have been disturbed so i know what it feels like so you can't tell me what it feels like because i know what it feels like when you are disturbed you are overly sensitive overly vulnerable and you are prime pickings for the enemy to exploit you to manipulate you and to use you as a tool and you're not even for the enemy that that's how you know so one of the things i enjoy most about my wife is that she's not a disturbed person so she doesn't disturb me so as long as i don't bother her we don't have any trouble so that's very relaxing you get what i'm trying to say so you want to you want to allow the lord To bring healing into your life. Why? So that people want to be around you. How can you influence if people don't want to be around you? (laughs) You know, like, you're not going to let someone influence you if you don't even want to be around them. Are you with me? All right. Anyway. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we, here comes, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being say being. being that's a process we are so if you're beholding you're being if you're not beholding it ain't happening So, if you're focused, if you're locked in, if you're beholding, you're being transformed. But if you're not beholding, guess what happens? Delay. Not only delay, deformed. If I'm conformed to this world while God is trying to transform me, but I am not participating with the process, I become deformed. And then I need to be reformed. (laughs) It's like, and then you're going to, you know what you're setting yourself for? The squishing. God is saying, we can do this easy way. It's like the police. (laughs) There's more of them, and they got more bullets. You'll run out of bullets. You can go crazy, but you're going to get in that van. People may not believe it. Three night sticks later, two tasers, you're getting in that van. God is going to throw you in the paddy wagon. Remember those in New York City? Remember the paddy wagons? You are going to Central Bookings for the weekend. You are going to be fully apprehended. That's not a fun place to be for the weekend, by the way. So you are going in the van. You're a believer. You signed up for where the van is taking you. So you can get in the van dignified with your hair and makeup and, you know, intact. In you know, if you're a woman. You-, you can go in there nice and easy. Or... Or, here's the or, you resist what God's doing, and then God orchestrates an unnecessary crushing because you are fighting against the process of God in your life. I don't advise you to do that, okay? Now, but we all with unveiled face. Now, do you remember in the Old Covenant, who had a veiled face? Come on, preach to me. We got preachers here. A lot of preachers. Come on. Moses, come on. We just talked about. It. You guys are way. You guys are getting hungry. I get it. You guys are Moses had a veiled face, remember? But now in the new covenant, but we all with unveiled face, not just Moses, not just the pastor, not just the worship leader. We all with unveiled face. In other words, we were all created to behold because you become like what you behold. That is is the danger and the nature of perversion. You watch porn, you watch perversion, you become perverse, and the end of that perversion is violence because perversion does not have boundaries so you either do violence to someone else or violence to your own physical body because the end of perversion is violence and you become like what you behold so so if you if you if you look at something long enough you'll long for it Are you with me? Lust, Deacon says. He's helping me preach here. Alright. Behold, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. Uh Uh-oh. DK was talking about it last week. The same image. Greek word. You know what the Greek word is? Icon. Is where we get the word icon let me show you about an icon I'm going to show you about the icon let's go into the icon let's press Safari what do I got coming from Safari sneakers so now I press the image when you press the image or the icon let's do the weather that's safe my sneakers have not arrived keep praying when you press the image the icon guess what comes out lies, lies. well <laughs> you lie so this is a new it's it says weather. it is a lie they get paid a lot to be wrong but when you press thank you Jose's going to the next level of deep so now when I press this is what I want you to say this is simple even I can understand this when you press the icon when you press the image, the essence comes out. Oh, oh, that's all right. So now, here's a, here's here's. So we are we all, we all, not just the worship team, not just the pastor, we all. That's all of us. We all beholding the Lord. As we behold the Lord, we are transformed. As we renew our mind, we are transformed. Place, uh, prayer is the place of transformation. So here there's three keys to which transformation takes place. One, prayer. Second, the renewing of your mind. Learning how to think as God thinks. And number three, beholding. But the word beholding, it's not it's not just to sit there and stare at something. The word beholding is to reflect. It is to take time to think about the Lord, the things of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the purposes of the Lord, the person of the Lord, the will of the Lord, the Lord's faithfulness in our life—it it, it, takes. So I am transformed. We are transformed as we reflect on the Lord. Are you with me? Now, as we are, befl- uh, re- you know, as we are beholding, as we are reflecting that is when there is transformation taking place. Are you with me? So, transformation is fueled by the Lord. In other words, we don't have the power to transform ourselves. Are you with me? Okay, that's true. But on the other side... that same coin the scripture calls me to participate with the transformational process in the place of prayer in the renewing of my mind and in the reflecting on or contemplating the Lord what is something that the enemy tries to do in our life the enemy tries to bring busyness and chaos And confusion and doubt and insecurity and anxiety and fear so that we cannot behold how can I behold the Lord listen to me how can I behold the Lord and be anxious how can I behold the Lord and be fearful how can I behold the Lord and be full of lust? How can I behold the Lord and be full of greed? Let, let me just talk. I'm gonna just talk to you practical because I can't talk to you religiously because when I talk religiously, people get they, they just look at me like I get the the deer in the headlight look. Have you ever really wanted something bad, like really bad? Mary, can I get a, can I get a name for me? All right, we got Julius is honest. Okay, name something that you wanted, like, badly. You, you can say your wife, uh, a house. What, 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 what is it that you wanted? A baby. A baby. An Oscar. An Oscar, okay. Like, someone else. What did you want? Go ahead, thank you. I wanted my master's degree. I wanted a house. Okay, cool. Huh? Okay, thank, thank you, thank you, Brett. What about you? You don't want anything anymore. Brett's too saved to want anything. Mary wants a pool. So here, let me explain. Let me explain how this works. I just, I, I don't want to be religious with you. I want to be honest with you, for a second, just because we get so religious in church that you act like, you know, when you really want something, like let's say an engagement ring or 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 the new boots you need or the new sneakers that I have to have now it doesn't really last very long but for that moment or two when you're jumping into your new pool with your initials in it she said that's gonna last (laughs) so Brett can have rest for a weekend so so but when you really get something that you want you're in the moment I'm going somewhere right it's gone it is gone pretty pretty quickly but in that moment you are not preoccupied by anything else Wait till the kids come in that moment when the delivery happens now I can tell you three minutes after the delivery the thrill of the kill it is not whatever it is that you wanted was not all it was cracked up to be Like for example, the idea of a child and a child (laughs) (laughs) are not the same thing, right? But for that moment, when you get that thing that you really wanted, or that response that you really wanted, or that engagement ring that you really wanted, in that moment, that moment kind of overtakes you. It doesn't last long, but it overtakes you with a sense of yes. Now, 20 seconds later, that yes is over. Amen. It is over. But I want to just focus on that 20 seconds. Because that 20 seconds represents when you be the Lord for real, the other things don't matter because what you really want, you're focused on. That's why I realized that what I want, money can buy. What I really want, money cannot buy. So now, what happens when you understand that there is a reordering of what it is you are beholding and reflecting on? This is my invitation to you and me and us and we that we would behold the Lord. Since we have. The ministry, we, not I, we, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, uh, by the, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded to not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves are your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the light and the glory of God is seen on the face of Jesus Christ who is the image of God. He is the icon of God. So if you press Jesus, you get the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. So we should be icons of Jesus so when we get pressed, Jesus comes out. Maybe you got pressed, Jesus didn't come out. That's all right. That just lets you know you need more Jesus. Nobody's mad at you. The devil's the one that shames and condemns. Just, you know, say, okay, I blew it and get up and move on past there. But this is, this, is, this is the process. You, you, you are becoming a letter written by Jesus to the world. That's number one. Number two, you are becoming an icon. You are created in the image and likeness of God. And you are becoming an icon of Jesus. So that when you get touched and you get pressed... Jesus comes out. You know why? Because the world doesn't need more of me. The world needs more of Jesus. Are you with me? So now our part in this process, prayer. Prayer. Getting alone with God. Listening to God. Speaking to God. Getting brutally honest with God. If you cannot be brutally honest with God, who can you be brutally honest with? If you do not allow God to be brutally honest with you, who will you allow to speak into your life? No one can tell you you're wrong. If God can't tell you you're wrong, no one can tell you you're wrong. So if the word of God is not the standard, no one can hold you accountable to any standard. That's why people go, I don't see it. I don't see it. Your priorities are out of order. You're not seeing it because you don't want to see it. And you're not going to see it. And you won't see it until you live in the results of not seeing it and until not seeing it causes you so much pain that you willingly open your eyes to see it. Do you know that most Christians live in the most basic and unnecessary bondages simply because they will not put God first and they don't want to see it? Imagine living in unnecessary bondage simply because you don't want to put Jesus in the place that he deserves. To me, that doesn't make any sense. So, anyway, finally, the purpose of Christianity is to become Christ like. Simple. You are letters of Jesus, epistles, to the world, to your family, to your workplace. You're a letter. What is the letter communicating? That's important. You you don't want, you, you want the letter. Paul actually commended the Corinthians, which is very shocking. He said, you are clearly a letter. And the proof of his ministry was them. So he doesn't need a letter of recommendation because there the letter and it is written by the spirit of the living God upon their hearts because where does God first go to work? In the brokenhearted. God first goes to work in the place where no one sees. What does the world say? The world says clean up, do your act, put your makeup on, you know, put your eyebrows on, put your nails on, put your wig on, put your smile on, put your makeup on. But the the Jesus goes, "No, no, 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 no." That's all good. We can take your eyebrows off and do all that other stuff. But we got to go on the inside of you because that's where the real mess is. The world says, oh, you know, just, you know, put eyelashes on a smile and, and lipstick. But the Lord is like, nah, man, that isn't cute. The problem is in there. And that's where I'm headed. And that's where I'm working. And that, to me, is beautiful. Imagine you, you hire a plumber he comes to your house, can't fix a problem, and then he charges you $2,000. That's the devil, yet people run to him every weekend he can't fix it and they're running to him anyway now these are questions now do not get mad at me for these questions these questions are formulated with your growth in mind these are not questions of condemnation these are not feel guilty before lunch questions these are questions to consider i just want to say one thing about questions do you know questions can change your life Do you know that you can be asked the right question at the right time and it can change your life? I'll give you an example. I was excited, young and stupid. And uh, I had two contracts in my hands from Destiny Image and Charisma, which are the two biggest charismatic publishers in the world. And I was like 20-something, which is really dumb. And so I, I was excited. They both want to publish my book. Now I have options. I feel I'm the next Benny Hinn, you know, in my mind, which I'm stuck here. So anyway, I, I, feel, I feel excited. David looks at me, my pastor, David. Remember was here? He looks at me and goes, you want to be just like everyone else? I fell on the floor and I started crying I fell on the floor imagine this (laughs) not a pretty sight you know I fall on the floor and I start crying like just like a baby like sobbing do you want to be just like everyone else or do you want to die so that you can live Now that death cost seven years. And it was beautiful. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And it was a necessary no. Sometimes no's are necessary. That was a life changing question. Okay. If you are not reading the word, what are people getting when they read you? I want to encourage you toward one thing. Toward a more intimate and ongoing relationship with the scripture. Because your interactions with the scripture show you and the world around you how you feel about the spirit. Jesus said the words that I speak to you their spirit their life. So how we handle the scripture determines how we respond to the spirit. If something is clearly just just walk with me for 1 second. I know that this has been a complete hostage situation now. But let me finish the hostage situation. Could you imagine saying that you have value for the Holy Spirit? God has written something plain as day, black and white, and you just refuse to do it. Forgive, be kind, be patient, whatever it is. Like, let's have sensitive hearts to respond to the Lord. Okay, if you are not studying the Word, what are people going to get when they study you? Now, study is at different levels, but the main, main part of study that I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about a huge bible program in greek and and, and, in hebrew and that's great and that's important but when i'm talking about studying i am talking about the posture of your heart with a desire to know and learn i am not simply speaking about cerebral head knowledge so that you can be more knowledgeable i am talking about an inward desire to know to be known and to explore God's Word, and to allow Him to search us. Okay. If you are a living epistle or letter, uh, clearly communicating Christ. So is your life or living epistle clearly communicating Christ? These are just questions. Okay. Now, final question. Are you partnering with the transformation slash change process or... Or fighting against it. Now, this is, this is an inward question. And, I, and I'll tell you why it's an inward question. The reason it's an inward question is because it's very possible to go through the outward motion. Right? The outward Okay, I should do this, I'm doing that. I should do this, I'm doing that. I shouldn't do that, I'm not doing that. It's possible to go with, it's possible. Jesus said to the religious people, you draw near to me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. So it's possible to be disingenuous. It's possible. And I'm not accusing anyone of that, just so you know. I'm not assuming, oh, you're disingenuous and I'm perfectly great. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that this is something that we in our life should consider. Do our words line up with our habits and our commitments and our way of life? This is something important. I find it really hard to say that I wholeheartedly love Jesus... But I neglect the body of Christ. To me, I'm sorry, I don't want to sound rude, but I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it's New Testament. I don't think Jesus buys it. And I don't think the apostles would have bought into it. That like, oh, I don't need church. I don't need body of Christ. I don't need people. I don't need fellowship. I don't need worship. I just have Jesus in my heart. I don't think that's real. I think that whatever you're actually about, you pursue. And you pay for, and you want, you never make excuses about something you love. You know? All right. Let us pray. Dear God. Lord, we just thank you so much that you are committed to making us letters, living epistles to tell the world and our families and the people in our work about your son. To show them God by example, not just with our words, but with our responses, with our reactions, with our desires, with our generosity, with just the openness of our heart in loving people. So, Lord, we ask you that you would help us, Lord, to participate with this process and to support one another in this process of beholding you, being transformed into your image and being little icons of Jesus so that when we get pressed you come forth in Jesus name amen Amen. so that was a full hostage and we're done last but not least Tina is preaching Wednesday night so it's exciting there's going to be different people stepping up and stepping in and growing in the gifts that God gave them at this church we really want to create space for people step into what God has for them. All right. Love you. I'm kind of sorry about the hostage situation. Kind of not. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv invite.